We've talked a lot about the new commanders, but what about the vets? We give a little shine to the guys who've been here. That and more coming up next on Locked On Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into your Friday episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders. Thank you so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. And don't forget, you can subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. And you can continue the conversation over on subtext at joinsubtext.com slash Locked on Commanders, where you can go one-on-one with me because I'm your host, David Harrison, dharrison82 on Twitter, credential member of the media and Washington Commanders beat reporter for Commander Country, Sports Illustrated's fan nation site covering the Washington Commanders. Here with you every Monday through Friday, along with our everydayers. And as always, I appreciate all of your continued support for the show. On today's episode of Locked on Commanders, we're going to discuss our final Commanders quarterback watch of this week's minicamp. And we're going to talk about our three standout Players, personnel, there is a coach involved in there. But first, I have to tell you that we are brought to you today by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL. And when you enter the promo code locked on NFL, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. I got mine in the mail on Thursday. It was waiting for me at home when I got back from minicamp. Uh, and I'm thoroughly enjoying the tumbler and I'm anticipating wearing the new shorts that I got in that package on Tuesday back in Ashburn at Washington Commanders OTA practice. Our first standout of the day is how we're going to start off today's episode, though, uh, following Thursday's culminating practice of the minicamp. So the minicamp is now over. We will now return to one day of OTA practice on Tuesday. But wrapping up the minicamp, our first standout veteran player of the day was defensive tackle Deron Payne. Now, Defensive tackle Deron Payne did what safety Cameron Girl is doing this season, but he did it last season. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, Payne last year participated in individual drills. So he did all of his D-line movement mobility things, the, the famous volleyball drill with uh, defensive line coach Jeff Scanina, all those things. But when it came time to do the team portion of the drills, the 7-on-7s, seven the 11-on-11s, all of those things, he sat out. Why? He was protecting his health, didn't want to risk an unnecessary injury because he wanted a new contract. That's what we believe Cam Curl is doing. He hasn't really come out and said that uh, right off, but that is what we in the media believe Cam Curl is sitting out for. Uh, He is participating in the drills, individual drills, but when it comes to 7-on-7s and 11-on-11s, he's certainly tuned in, certainly kind of going through the motion, pointing out, making the calls, doing all those things. So certainly mentally engaged, but physically he is on the sideline or out the back of the end zone. Uh, with defensive backs coach uh, Brett Wieselmeyer. So Payne eventually got his deal, right? But first, he had to prove that he was worth the deal that he wanted, and he had to do that on the playing field in the regular season in 2022. By the time we got to training camp, didn't have his new deal, but he didn't have a holdout or a hold in. Deron Payne got to work uh, along with his teammates getting ready for the 2022 NFL season. And after putting down a career-high 11.5 sacks, a career-high 64 tackles, a career-high 18 tackles for loss, and a career-high 20 quarterback hits. There's a theme here. Oh, and by the way, he got the first safety of his career. Payne got paid, and he got paid to the tune of $90 million over the next four years. 
uh, beginning this year with $28 million of that in a signing bonus and $59.01 million guaranteed. Uh, but along with that money, let's be honest, came some few murmurs, some low-key concerns that maybe we weren't going to see the best Deron Payne moving forward after the money came through. And, and it's not really necessarily an indictment on Deron Payne, so to speak, but we've seen this before, right? We've seen players who maybe there's a little bit of doubt. Maybe the team wasn't going to resign them or extend them. And so they go out in a contract year and they ball out. They play like their hair is on fire and they do everything that everybody thought they could do all along. Then they get the new deal. And then you kind of go back to status quo. It's kind of like, okay. Well, this is the dude we saw before the contract, uh, before the contract year anyway, but Jerron Payne, what we've seen so far in the OTA practices and in the mini camp is not doing that. Not only is Payne putting in time and practice, but Payne's making good on his deal by being present during the voluntary portions of the offseason. And he's looking quicker than ever right now when he goes through these drills. It's hard uh, to really gauge a whole lot with the defensive line and the offensive line in the trench play right now because there's no pads, there's no hitting, there's no real contact. So it's a little bit harder to really get a gauge on all of the defensive line and offensive linemen. But something that has stood out to me is when I'm watching this defensive line do drills this week with Hall of Fame defensive lineman Warren Sapp present and kind of giving them some pointers, giving them some motivation, he is moving. Guys, I don't know if I've ever seen a defensive lineman move his feet as quickly as Deron Payne is moving them right now. Chase Young also, by the way, looking very, very, very fast. So that's huge to me because the commander's defense, once again, it looks like that's what this team is going to lean on. I know the new hot news is Eric Bienme in this offense, and certainly there's a lot of excitement, and there should be a lot of excitement around it. But let's not let's not get it twisted. Right? Let's look at what this team is made up of. Let's look at where the resources are spent on this team, not just in cap space, but also in draft picks. It's on the defense. This team is going to want to control the clock. They're going to want to keep the score low on the other side of the ball. Look, if we can run up the score on offense, that's what the commander is going to try to do. But they're going to look first to keep the other side of the of the, of the contest, whoever that is, whether it's the Arizona Cardinals, Dallas Cowboys, anybody. They want to keep them low on the scoreboard so that's what the team is that's who the team is going to lean on is that defense and uh with so many young players in the secondary it's going to be critical for this defensive front seven but really the front four to lead that charge that's the defensive line we're not sure what chase young and montez sweat are going to do here this season obviously but i can tell you that if the effort and the energy and the quickness we're seeing out of pain this time of year is any indication of his future performance and you're definitely in for a repeat performance of last year, if not better. And look, I can't guarantee you that the stats are going to match and, and all those things because teams are going to dedicate more protection against him now that he's had that season. They're going to see him coming a little bit more. They're going to dedicate uh, some more blockers to, to stop in Deron Payne. But that means if that's happening, there's going to be more opportunities for players around him, right? And we've seen Jonathan Allen have this effect on his teammates and on opposing offenses for years now. So in my count, uh, you need about four offensive linemen or four dedicated blockers to stop Jonathan Allen and uh, Deron Payne, which means Chase Young and Montez Sweat. I mean, that's four of the five standard offensive linemen gone already. So even if you've got a sixth, an extra offensive lineman, whether it be a tight end or an eligible tackle or what have you, you're getting one-on-one -on -one matchups on the edge uh, for Chase Young and Montez Sweat. So that that really should be an almost snap-to-snap -snap occurrence. So there's no excuse really to not eat in those situations. And when the opposing offenses do decide to kick out a little bit of help or go one-on-one -on -one, uh, against Jonathan Allen or Deron Payne. We've seen time and time again, those two guys are making the, the opponents pay for that. So, uh, you know, something uh, that I just kind of wanted to highlight, right? Again, it's hard to really gauge defensive line play at this point in the offseason program 
but that effort and that quickness and the appearance of that quickness in drills, I did want to highlight there uh, for you guys. And something else I stumbled upon while researching this segment that I wanted to pass on to you guys while we're giving some flowers to Deron Payne. Let's take a minute and appreciate that this man not only balled out last year, but he also played more snaps than ever before. And it wasn't by a small margin. His previous career high came in 2020 when he played 881 snaps last year. He played over 900 snaps. Now, wasn't his highest per game average, right? His highest snaps per game came in 2020 because that was 55 snaps per game on average uh, in 2020. And, and that was a 16 game season. Now last year it was 17 games, right? So more snaps, but also more games, but he still played fewer snaps in 2021, the first 17 game regular season than he had even in 2020. But last year he played 908 snaps while playing seven, 17 games. That's just over 53 snaps per game. So two snaps per game less or off of his career high uh, average that and the difference in reps from 2021 to 2022 was about 1.75 games worth of snaps that is a big jump when you're adding a full game and three quarters of a game to your snap count in one year that is a very significant jump so we're just getting started with our veteran spotlight today we've got two more coming including a coach that's coming up next on today's episode of locked on commanders part of the locked on podcast network your team every day and today's episode of locked on commanders is brought to you by bird dogs bird dogs do the exact same thing as lululemon but they fit way better they also fit way better than your regular shorts that are made of stiff restricting cotton because bird dogs invented a fabric cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches so you get a slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement bird dogs also use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that helps keep you cool and dry all day long and the best part is that bird dog stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and the leg to give you a truly sculpted look i got my two new pairs of shorts in the mail on thursday like i said they were waiting for me when i got back from mini camp along with this awesome yeti style custom bird dogs tumbler which you can get you can get the shorts you can get whatever you want from the store but you can also get that awesome tumbler by going to birddogs.com slash locked on nfl use the promo code locked on nfl to get that free yeti style tumbler with your order it's birddogs.com slash locked on nfl for a free yeti style tumbler you won't want to take your bird dogs off we promise thanks again for making locked on commanders your first listen or your first view today and every day every day so make sure you come back next week we're still here five days a week even into the quote-unquote dead period. We've got one more day of practice next week, though. On Tuesday, Coach Rivera did confirm, and he also confirmed that we will be invited out to Ashton, which greatly appreciate the invitation. We will take him up on that. Surely, uh, we will be hitting the mailbag again on Tuesday. Subtexters, be on the lookout for your day three subtext exclusive bonus content where you're going to hear the full interviews that I had with running back Antonio Gibson and rookie running back Chris Rodriguez Jr., uh, including some things that we couldn't fit into today's episode. So you will have that uh, here in just a little while. Once I get done recording this, I will get that video put together for all of you. Uh, we will hear from AG and from Chris Rodriguez here in just a minute. If you want to get in on the bonuses, you've got time to do so before we hit next week's OTA practice so you can get the live updates that I'm sending during practice to the subtexters and you get the bonus content at the end of the day. If you want in, just head over to joinsubtext.com slash commanders. You start that today. You get two weeks for free uh, to test drive it out. Uh, our next veteran standout from Thursday is a veteran coach. Veterans are kind of the theme of today's episode. Running backs coach Randy Jordan is who we're talking about. Now, 
everydayers. You already know that we shared some thoughts from Coach Jordan last week at the conclusion of OTAs. We got to sit down in the team cafeteria and talk to a bunch of the position coaches. He was one of them. Uh, so we, well, OTAs minus one practice, right? We have that on Tuesday. That's, I guess, technically the end of OTAs. But we put the OTAs on pause for mandatory minicamp. I told you back then, though, he's one of my favorite coaches on this team. He's one of my favorite position coaches uh, to do that. Watching him and watching Coach Jennifer King uh, work with these backs is, is really great because of his intensity, how much fun they have with it, and the creativity, honestly, that they bring when creating these drills. Last training camp, I literally got to sit there and watch as he and Coach King create drills uh, from ideating. They sit there and say, what do we want to work on? What do we want to teach these guys right now? And then they figure out a drill. They they tweak it. They run through it. They say, okay, now let's change this. Now let's throw this at them. Uh, and honestly, it's really great to get to watch them work because they practice on the near sideline where we're usually standing. So we really get uh, an up-close and personal view of what it is they're doing with these young running backs. Now, in case you didn't already know the history on Coach Jordan, he has been in Washington for 10 full seasons. This season is his 11th season with the franchise. And while everyone has been standing in awe of the arrival of assistant head coach and offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, Jordan's focus, he told us, remains steadfast on making his room the best it can be so they can help the team win. He doesn't care about stats. He doesn't care about how many rushing yards you had, how many touchdowns you had. What he cares about is, is his room or his guys helping this team win. If they're doing that, the stats will come. That's his belief to him. It's the same job, just a different role for his guys and a different language that he needs to help them learn to tap into their potential and their abilities. And his players appreciate that intention. They appreciate that attention to detail and the fact that he wants to get it right for them so they can get it right on game day. Here to tell you that is Chris Rodriguez Jr. and Antonio Gibson. You know, a lot of energy on the practice field, a lot of creativity with the drills. Can you just kind of talk about what he's kind of meant to you during your career? Um, just throwing us in awkward situations, uh, keeping us on our toes. Uh, one thing you never uh, know is going to happen in the game. So uh, doing those, those weird drills and those different drills, you know, that, that kind of prepares us to react on the fly when something like that happens in the game. Coach Jordan, so actually, I would say during rookie minicamp is when I actually first got to sit down and talk to him. Um, it was, it was, it was different. You know, he's not like any other coach I've had. He's energized. He's, he's, he sees something. He sees one thing out of line. Like, even if it's like the offense, like protections, he, he is huge on it. Yeah. And if the offense he sees and he's trying to, he'll, he'll sit there and try to process how he, we can pick up that protection, not only us, but for the whole line. Um, yeah, it was different, and he he cares about us. And um, it's I haven't really got to sit down and you know talk and exchange. But rookie minicamp, he did tell everybody. He was like, "Listen, like no matter where y'all go, y'all gotta keep impressing the coaches." Chris, he impressed me with his film. But he got it. He knows he has to keep doing it. Like there's no end to it. All right, so that was a little bit from Antonio Gibson and Chris Rodriguez Jr. Again on running backs coach. Randy Jordan, again, subtextures, you're going to get the full interviews. I asked them a little bit more uh, about kind of their offseason and what they've uh, what they've been through, and uh, especially Chris Rodriguez with his development uh, and all those things. Now, Gibson earned himself a solid amount of playing time as a rookie, uh, if you remember, but he saw a 200-snap jump increase in his second season. So that's a significant increase uh, as well, and he credits Coach Jordan for a lot of that development, especially with the drills he comes up for. Again, the creativity he mentioned and you heard, AG talking about there. You can't ever know everything that's going to come at you during a game. So seeing these kind of weird drills that he throws at them really helps prepare them uh, for for what's to come. And 
Antonio Gibson, kind of a veteran himself, right? Fourth year running back coming in this year, had a nice grab and connection with Sam Howell on a seam route Thursday. Uh, we will talk about more. Uh, we will talk about that more here in just a little bit in our Howell watch to end the week. And uh, I decided I wanted to highlight Coach Jordan today after watching an early rep in the seven on sevens, which we're actually going to talk some seven on sevens today because of the shortened practice. Uh, I want to give you guys as much information as I can. Uh, but one of his guys, one of his running backs got free on a solid run after catch. Really nice move. And honestly, uh, his reaction was a little bit overboard. It was a little bit of theatrics uh, involved in it, but it made his guys laugh. It made Coach ben the smile. Uh, and Coach Jordan also complimented, complimented EB's uh, play design for helping his running back get free. And I just kind of said, you know what? We need to highlight his energy. We need to highlight his creativity and kind of what he does on this staff. So hopefully you guys like hearing about these uh, position coaches because I do I enjoy talking with them, and I would like to highlight them more as we go through uh, the offseason, as we go through uh, talking about this team. So really just a moment where you get to be reminded that the game is fun, you know what I mean? And you don't always have those moments, unfortunately, uh, but still obviously a very serious way of approaching it. Uh, I watched Juan Castillo coaching up the offensive line uh, for a period of time on Wednesday, and, and man, the, my, my head was spinning just listening to him kind of go through some of these things with these guys. And they only worked on two sets. Like it was only two and he was only working with the right side of the offensive line. So he was working with half his line on two different sets. Uh, and by the end of it, I was like, man, that's a lot of information uh, that I just heard and, and consumed there. So I wanted to put coach Jordan in there today, shine a spotlight on that. But before we get to our how watch uh, in this episode, we do need to talk about one more veteran who stood out since honestly the OTAs and that last veteran today is tight end. Logan Thomas, team captain. Uh, the time you coach the enemy's offense really couldn't be better for a veteran tight end like Logan Thomas. He's coming into his second year since he tore his ACL. And again, we've kind of talked about this every day, as you've heard about this. Logan confirmed this. That first year coming back from an injury like that, you really still don't feel 100%. It's really not till that second season that you start to feel yourself again. Uh, Eight-year NFL tight end. He said he's feeling as good as ever. And honestly, he's looking really good, guys, in these practices. We've heard time and time again, right? This is going to be a, a an offense that is tailor-made for playmaking tight ends. And at this stage, honestly, I kind of wrote a note today. I said, saying that this offense is really tight end friendly might be an understatement. Like, this thing is not just friendly to tight ends. It is made for tight ends. Uh, during today's, or during Thursday's seven-on-seven -seven drills, again, it was an abbreviated practice to end the minicamp session. Thomas hauled in two touchdown passes. Uh, just today, just in an abbreviated practice during seven on sevens. And he's been targeted consistently throughout the previous OTA sessions and this week's mini camp. The franchise, of course, has had a hard time keeping tight ends healthy. We know about the history. There's been a lot of talented guys to come through this organization that for one reason or another just can't seem to stay healthy. So we're really hoping that Thomas can do that this year. But between he and Cole Turner, if these guys can stay healthy, they've got two really good tight ends made for this system. Uh, that are going to benefit greatly from the arrival of Coach Bieniemy. Uh, if again they can break that bad health streak that this franchise has with their tight end, so uh, we touched on some of Sam Howell's passes already from Thursday, but now we're going to do our deep dive in our Howell watch during the team drills. That's coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. up today's episode with our final howl watch for the week and we only got one session of 11 on 11 drills thursday because the commanders did shorten their final mini camp practice just a little bit but coach rivera said it was because they wanted to rest some veterans right kendall fuller cam curl curtis samuel the most obvious one sitting out uh the team portion but obviously uh there were more look we were indoors right so i don't know if, if you guys have ever seen like too many videos or images of the indoor facility the bubble um, but it's hard to see some of those reps because we're standing on the sideline, but 
we have a little bit of restricted movement, right? Like usually if you're in the red zone drill outside, we can stand at the back of the end zone. Inside, we have to stay between the 20s. So while I'm standing on like the 25, trying to look into the red zone as they're doing these drills, I've got, you know, Sam Cosby, like if it's the second team, I've got Sam Cosby standing in front of me. So it can be really hard to see everything that is going on out there. And, uh, you know, the players are paying attention to what's happening as well. And they're getting coached. So they're not worried about whether or not we can see, nor should they be. Uh, so, yeah, so they, they sat at some of their veterans. They rested some of their guys, uh, but we still got to see quite a bit. Uh, the biggest takeaway from the team drills Thursday, honestly, is again, tight end friendly is an understatement in this offense. I mean, the way that tight ends are being utilized by Eric Bieniemy in this scheme is very, very impressive. And I like a lot of the concepts. I'm not going to break down a whole lot of them here just because you want to be careful. You never know who's listening. And I will tell you that there are people listening. Uh, so I don't want to give away too many of the things that they're working on there in Ashburn, but it is very tight end friendly. Again, that might be uh, an understatement. So we're going to actually start with seven on sevens today. Again, only one 11 on 11 set. So I'm going to get into a little bit of the seven on sevens here. We'd add it here uh, since we have a little bit more time. And these aren't necessarily from the same series of reps, right? So these are all notes that I just kind of made throughout the seven on seven period. Uh, so don't take them as necessarily a chronological order, although two of them are in chronological order. Uh, I'll start with the bad, right? There was a howl interception that he threw. Percy Butler picked it off. Percy Butler continues to have a really impressive offseason. He was one of our standout players during the OTAs. He was the one that, if you remember all the social media traffic about Eric Bieniemy yelling at Sam Howell to go chase down uh, the interceptor after the interception, it was Percy Butler that picked off that pass as well. This time, it looked like Marcus Kemp uh, was he was running kind of a middle of the field route was supposed to keep going. At least that's what it looked like Sam Howell thought was going to happen is that he was going to keep going. Um, but instead, Kemp stopped, cut the route short. The ball went where Howell thought he was going to go. And instead of Marcus Kemp, who also Marcus Kemp has been having a really good uh, mandatory mini camp and OTA period, uh, the ball didn't go to Kemp and went to Percy Butler instead, who did not uh, miss on the ball. So clear mis miscommunication. I'm not sure really who uh, was wrong in that one, to be quite honest with you. They both kind of came off the field. I didn't get to see who they were getting coached up by or what was being said. But I will tell you, now, Marcus seemed to be a little bit upset uh, at the end of practice, so I'm thinking it was probably on Marcus a little bit. And uh, look, there were some receivers out there. They're continuing to install things. We heard we heard some new calls on Thursday we hadn't heard before, and that led to some corrections uh, on some receivers. Um, so again, this thing is a growing process. So uh, you know, when you hear about any negatives happening, just understand it's part of the growing pains, part of the process of learning a new offense. Uh, Hal threw another interception during the seven on seven period. This one went to Troy Apke. I was in the left corner route for uh, for uh, Jahan Dotson. Sorry, a right corner route for Jahan Dotson. Uh, and Howell left the ball short. Jahan Dotson had a step on him, uh, but the ball just kind of fell short. Troy Apke made a really great play on it and came down with the ball. That's something that you expect Sam Howell to get a little bit higher, a little bit deeper. In fact, he did. Actually, later in the practice, um, one of them fell incomplete, which, you know what, you'll take an incompletion in the back corner over an interception in the back corner any day. Uh, now, what was interesting is that the very next play after that interception by Troy Apke, Sam Howell fired a bullet into the midsection of Logan Thomas uh, in the end zone that Logan Thomas did catch, and he was in coverage against Troy Apke. So I actually wondered, like, I wonder if, if Sam came to the line and said, okay, where's Troy at? Let me let me make sure he understands that that's not going to happen again because uh, he got that ball through in a hurry. Um, Howell threw another, another touchdown pass to Logan Thomas in seven on seven. This one was against Derek Forrest. Again, another bullet over the middle. Just Logan Thomas using his body to shield the ball from uh, the defenders on those two plays. So some seven on seven, some good, some bad. Uh, again, some receivers having some route issues. Just again, learning new sets for the first time 
here in that mandatory mini camp practice. That's what they're there for. Uh, moving on to the 11 on 11 sets, a couple of good plays, a couple not so good plays, really not by Sam Howell, but we'll get into that. First pass of the of the uh, 11 on 11 set was that seam route that I kind of touched on earlier to Antonio Gibson. Great release. AG was lined up in the slot, ran right up the seam, right past his guy, and Sam put it right between the linebacker and the safety. Really couldn't have been executed any better than it was. The next two snaps, unfortunately, were actually practice sacks. Uh, the first one, I didn't get to see the defensive lineman and the other media members standing around me didn't get to see who the defensive lineman was. Again, we were in very tight quarters, hard to see everything. Um, but what I can tell you is whoever the D lineman was that got through there pushed Brian Robinson into Sam Howell. It was it was, uh, it was, it was fairly surprising uh, to see that kind of thing. I almost kind of wonder if maybe Brian was like, well, this isn't full contact, and then maybe that D lineman came with a little bit more juice that Brian was expecting. I promise you it's probably not going to happen uh, again. The next one, the next rep, the next pass drop was a coverage sack. Like Sam stood in the pocket. The protection was good. He kind of rolled around a little bit, did what he could with it, and they finally blew the play dead because they're like, okay, we're just going to wrap this thing up. So call it a coverage sack uh, for the commander's defense. And we've seen a good amount of time where the quarterbacks are having to hold on to the ball longer than they would like to. Uh, next pass that he actually got out was also completed, so two for two. Uh, motion. Uh, Jahan Dotson was motioned left from left from the left side of the formation to the right side of the motion, uh, formation into a drag route uh, and just got ahead of Rashad Wild There was nothing. Rashad just could not. They caught him in man coverage. Rashad Wild just could not keep up. Jahan Dotson comes down with the ball. Um, again, if it's full contact, maybe he gets into the end zone, but because it's two-hand touch, he got down inside the five in the red zone drill. Uh, next pass was a touchdown pass, this time to Dax Milne. Crossing from left to right into the corner. Again, we talked about that corner pass that he fell short or left short to Jahan Dotson. was picked off by Troy Apke. This is one that Sam got in the right position, uh, and Dax Milne was able to bring it in, beating Danny Johnson in the right corner in the end zone for a touchdown. So three touchdowns there in those 7-on-7 seven seven and 11-on-11 11 11 drills. Uh, real quick, Mitchell Tinsley also had a really, really nice catch in the right corner of the end zone, really continuing to bounce back really nicely. If you remember, Earlier in the week, he was pulled out of a drill by Coach Eric Bieniemy for not understanding his assignment. Uh, ever since that moment, you know he was a standout player for me that day because of the way he bounced back, he is continuing to bounce back really, really well. I really like what Mitchell Tinsley uh, is doing, and, and if he continues to play that way into training camp, could very much be a threat uh, to make this active roster. And then there was another really nice play, a, a perfectly placed ball by third-string quarterback Jake Fromm targeting tight end Curtis Hodges in the middle back end of the end zone, back-to-back uh, -to -back touchdown passes. Again, uh, that Tinsley catch was also from Jake Fromm. So to end the practice, Jake Fromm connecting with Mitchell Tinsley in the right corner of the end zone, um, and then again connecting on the very next pass to Curtis Hodges in the middle end of the end zone, back-to-back -back touchdowns for Jake Fromm, your third-string quarterback. So very solid ending to the day, and that's one of the reasons Ron said we're cutting it short because they did everything they need to do. Let's get out of here for the weekend. Come back Tuesday for another practice. Coming up next week, we will be back Monday. So don't wait till Tuesday. Come back Monday and every day. I do need your questions for a mailbag. Now, it was supposed to be live, but because I'm going to be in Ashburn Tuesday afternoon, it can't be live. We will be at the final OTA practice, but I'm still going to do your mailbag episode. So if you've got questions, drop them in the, in the chat here on YouTube. If you're listening in audio, hit me up on Twitter, email at LockedOnCommanders at gmail.com or send them to me directly via subtext. Like I said, subtexters, be on the lookout for that day three subtext exclusive bonus content where you're going to hear the full interviews with running back Antonio Gibson and running back Chris Rodriguez Jr., including some things that we couldn't fit in today's episode. Again, 
If you want to get involved in all the subtext fun, just go to joinsubtext.com slash locked on commanders to get that started today. Get your first two weeks for free. As always, I want to thank you for making locked on commanders your first listen of the day every day, every day. Thank you for coming through on a consistent basis like you do. Thank you so much for making me a part of your day, a part of your routine. If you have anything else Washington Commanders related you want to know or discuss, make sure you follow me on Twitter at dharrison82. Until we speak again, please be safe, be kind. I'll see you next time for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 